0: It is likely that as you are alive, during your time on this earth, you're going to go through one, maybe two recessions. And so the number one thing that I want you to remember, and this should give you peace, this shouldn't make you feel bad, is that you're not special. Everyone goes through these times. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing Acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. During the last recession of 2008, 1.8 million small businesses went out of business for good. So today, what I want to share with you is how to prepare for the recession that's coming, or many may say is already here. Whatever, I'm not an expert. Regardless, I don't say this to scare you. I say this to inform you, because if you're informed of the situation, then you can properly prepare for it, and you're much more likely to succeed given the circumstances that are to come than if you're not to think about it, you're to avoid it, you're to think, I'm not going to think about that later. So for full transparency, I have not been through a recession myself. I'm not really old enough that the last one didn't really affect me. I think I was in high school, and so it wasn't really relevant. But what I have gone through is I've gone through a recessionary-like environment, which was COVID. And so I'm going to share that story here in a couple minutes. But to give you a little bit of insight as to how a recession affects businesses, here's a couple of the ways that it does, okay? One is that unemployment goes up. What does that mean? That means that a lot of people lose jobs. Therefore, what you see right now is that a lot of employees have the upper hand in terms of what they're asking to be paid and the fact that there's less of them to source from. What it changes to is typically there are fewer of them in demand, there's less jobs available, and you can pay less for the talent. The second thing that happens is that purchasing power goes down. You can already see that in a few articles that have come out. About 75% of Americans are saying that they're reducing their spending in preparation for a recession. And so what that means is that most people stop spending. They don't, they stop spending money on things that aren't necessary, especially big purchases that aren't necessary, right? So if you think of something like someone installing a pool, for example, probably not going to do that during a recession. It's not necessary and it's a large capital expenditure. So that's the second thing that happens is people stop spending money. The third thing that happens is that typically manufacturing declines. The reason for that is because there's less people working because businesses are cutting down. They're making sure that they're cutting all excess away. And so their ability to produce goods actually tends to go down. And ironically, sometimes then the prices also go up because they have less purchasing because they have less manufacturing, they have less people. So they're charging more to recoup their costs. And so that's usually what happens during recession. And that's how it affects businesses. So though I've never been through a recession, I can tell you about the time that I went through COVID. So a lot of people ask, Layla, how was COVID when you owned a gym launch? And I was like, it was fantastic. We had brick and mortar gyms. It was great. No, it was absolutely freaking horrible. It was (laughs) horrific. It was a bloodbath. Let me tell you what it was like. So when COVID hit, it was in a month that we had gym launch going up. We had just launched a brand new line of our supplements with Prestige Labs and Allen, our software company, had also just launched. And we felt really good about it because we had two leaders in place in Gym Launch and Prestige, and they were really growing the business on their own. And so Alex and I kind of went off to the side and started Allen, our software. Now, Gym Launch, brick and mortar gyms, that's who our clientele is. Prestige Labs services the clients of those brick and mortar gyms, so they sell those supplements through their physical locations. And then Allen, the software was meant or built to help people get people to show up to in-person appointments. So when COVID hit, it not only affected one business, it affected all three of our business drastically. And so Alex and I, I remember we're on a walk and it was about two days into COVID when we had heard COVID had hit and people were saying there's a shutdown for like two weeks. And we were like, what do you think's going to happen? We're like, two weeks? Yeah, probably gonna be longer than two weeks. <laughs> and so we were looking at the effect on our businesses and we knew that we couldn't sit around idle and just wait for things to turn around. And so we knew that we had to take action. And so we looked at each business and we made a plan as to what we were gonna do if X, Y, and Z happened. So what I mean by that is we put together a plan, we looked at our financials with our CFO, and we said, what we need to do is we need to create a plan ahead of time to basically say what we're going to do if things get bad, right? So if our revenue drops below X, we do Y. Again, below X, Y. If we're in the red, we do why. And so we made basically a decision-making framework for each of the businesses, according to that, that was tied to our financials. That's the first thing we did. Now, the second thing is that our team was terrified. Now, I don't think Alex and I were terrified because I look at it as a really an opportunity to get better. You know, I have, I'm have i lucky to have mentors who they always told me, they were like, Layla, recessions are really good for the winners and they're really bad for the losers. And what they meant by that was, winners are always going to take advantage of an opportunity like the recession, right? It's a chance for you to get better. It's a chance for you to also see where are your deficits, where can you improve and where can you get better? Because maybe you're not as strong as you thought in a certain area. That's okay though. You wouldn't know if you weren't tested. And so I look at this and I really think of our core tenant competitive greatness. And I think back to why we created that core tenant. And a huge reason was going through, you know, two and a half years of COVID in a gym business and in brick and mortar services, it was rough. But what I saw is that that period of time made our company stronger than any good times could have made it. And that is why winners utilize times like the recession. So if you feel scared and you feel afraid, that's totally fine, but you also have to understand like there's such a huge opportunity here. Like camaraderie on a team isn't formed when you're winning. Camaraderie on a team is formed when you guys all have your back against the wall and you have to work together to drive out of that situation. This is an opportunity for you to strengthen yourself to strengthen your team and to strengthen your business. And so that's really how we viewed COVID and how we went into it with that mentality. Now, what I knew is that my team doesn't necessarily see it like that, right? They're afraid, they're afraid they're gonna lose their jobs. They're afraid that we're gonna get laid off. They don't know what's going on. And all they want is they want a leader to show up and lead the way for them. And so what we made sure to do during that time was show up for our team, have more communication than ever. So that meant I was sending weekly updates to our team via email, Sunday night, every week. And I was also hosting, about every three to four weeks, hosting a full team meeting to talk about what was going on. And the biggest mindset shift that I gave to my team that though it wasn't a recession, it was COVID, I would say applies one for one, is I said, listen, guys, we've been in peacetime since this company was born. We are now switching to wartime. What's the difference between peacetime and wartime, right? Peacetime, everything's good. We can focus on the nice to haves. We can focus on the ancillary things that maybe aren't completely driving growth of our business. We can focus on things that maybe just aren't necessarily generating revenue, but they will in five or 10 years. And so there's a lot more long term thinking and there's a lot more calm energy when it's peacetime, right? And there's a lot more, I would say, flexibility around what's tolerated, right? And I would say, Answer to that is there's a lot more focus on you know, culture, building the team, you know, doing virtual happy hours, all those kinds of things. What I did was I set new expectations with the team going into this. I said, listen, guys, this is wartime. Here's the things that are going to change. One, we all work nights and weekends now. Why? This is a phrase that I got from Josh Graves, who was my boss when I worked at a gym about seven, eight years ago, which he said, we all feed the business and the business feeds us. And that's what I told my team. I said, we all feed this business. Me and Alex don't just feed this business. We all feed this business together. And so if we want to make this work in one of the worst and hardest hit industries, we need to work nights and weekends. We're not doing any of these virtual happy hours. We're getting rid of all this like birthday holiday celebrations. I know that sounds bad, but I'm saying for a short period of time, this is what we need to do because we need all of our energy focused on how do we prevent our clients from going out of business and ultimately present ourselves from going out of business. And so that's what we did. And I explained the the mindset shift from peacetime to wartime. And I put it out on slides. And I said, this is exactly the activities we're going to change. And the thing was that a lot of people don't want to ask that of their teams. Our team 1000% got behind it. Every single person stepped up and rose to the occasion because they all understood. They're like, we all feed this business. If one of us slacks off, we don't have room for that right now. That person shouldn't be on the bus if they're slacking off because the reality is, is it doesn't take a leader to get a business through a recessionary period. It takes an entire team to get through that recessionary period. So not just the leaders have to change their mindset, but the whole team has to shift their mindset. So on the other end of this, there was our clients, right? So at that point in time, we had about, I want to say about a thousand high-end clientele in our gym launch program. And, you know, maybe 2000 people selling our supplements on prestige labs. And these are all brick and mortar gym owners. Okay. Let me tell you. So what we did is Alex and I jumped back in. We started hosting calls with our clients because what we felt like is they really needed to hear our voice during that time. And I think that a lot of people think, Layla, there's so much going on. I'm trying to save my business. I don't have time to take more calls with my clients and take more time with my team. You have to make time communication and messaging when times are hard is the number one job of a leader. And a lot of people have passed that and they say, I'm too busy. I've got to go figure out how to drive more revenue, figure out how to do all these things. The reality is you kind of have to go psycho bunny mode and work overtime and do both. You have to do more driving revenue and thinking, how am I going to grow this business or at least prevent it from going under, or at least, you know, maintain my business. And you have to think, how can I over communicate? So I give people a sense of security in this insecure environment. And so that is what we were doing with our clients. And what I can tell you is, during that period of time, one out of three of the gyms went out of business for good. So despite our efforts, despite all the extra attention and our team working completely psycho overtime, one third of the gyms went out of business for good. And the reason for that is obviously it was a little bit worse than a recession. You know, they truly weren't even allowed to do business in many areas. But I will tell you is after speaking with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of gyms that went through this period of time, I can tell you the qualities and traits of the people who lost versus won. And a lot of people would say, well, Layla, I'm sure that the people who were truly shut down and there was nothing they could do are the ones who went out of business. It's not the case at all, actually. In fact, some of our best clients who I just knew because they'd been in our program for years and they were winners and they'd overcome so many obstacles with their businesses, some of them had the worst environments, shut down for good. They were getting tickets left and right if they had people in their gyms. They were just not even allowed to have one person step inside their gym. Those people figured it out. A lot of them went 100% online. Like they pivoted and they brought all their clients online. They over-delivered. They were working insane overtime as well as with their staff. And the thing was is that they had deposited so much goodwill into their community prior to that, that those people stayed loyal to them because they were like, hey, I know that this online program isn't as good as, you know, me going to the gym, but shit, I want my gym to stay in business. So I want them to be here when things open up. And so I'm going to continue to pay because they've done so much for me and they transformed my life. Those people stuck around versus the losers. Let me tell you, there was one guy who he was in a certain city in a certain state that didn't even have restrictions beyond, you had to stay, I think, six feet apart from people in the gym. And I remember this guy, we're on a call, and he was complaining about how it was just so hard to do business and these people distancing themselves, it was such a big deal. And I could see the faces of everybody else on the call, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, I can't even have people in my gym, and you're complaining about six feet apart? So he keeps complaining about this, and I'll never forget what he said. I said, dude, like, you have better conditions than so many people on this call, why why do you wanna quit? Because he was talking about shutting down his gym. And he said, Layla, I'm just tired. I was like, tired? You're gonna let tired put you out of business when your clients and your employees, you have to fire and let go ask you, Hey John, why are we shutting down the business? You're going to say I'm fucking tired. I couldn't even believe it. It like blew my mind. And it was in that moment that I realized that people needed competitive greatness. That was the key that was missing to these gym owners and to business owners in general. I'm like, if you don't have competitive greatness, which is the ability to be at your best when your best is required, then you cannot go through a recession and keep your business. And so if I'm looking at the traits of somebody, one of our core values is competitive greatness for that very reason. Because one, we knew when we started acquisition.com, a recession was looming. And so I'm like, what kind of traits does a founder need to get through that? The number one, in my opinion, is competitive greatness. And that's what John didn't have. John was too tired. But winners do things that are required, whether they're tired or not. So here's the last thing that I wanna say is that if you really think about it, anybody who owns a business in time is gonna go through a recession. It is likely that as you are alive, during your time on this earth, you're going to go through one, maybe two recessions. And so the number one thing that I want you to remember, and this should give you peace, this shouldn't make you feel bad, is that you're not special. You're not special. Everyone goes through these times. And so I think that what's really isolating as is we think, I'm special, my situation is worse than everybody else's. But the reality is that's just not true. And this is just an opportunity for you to get better, your team to get better, and yourself to get better. And so here's the four things that I would do tactically if I were preparing for a recession. One is I would make my plan now. What a lot of people do is they wait to make a plan of how they're gonna adjust their business when the bad thing comes. So it's basically like all of a sudden your business isn't making money, and you're like, shit, what do I do? In that state? you're so emotional that you're not typically making good decisions. So what you want to do is you want to put a plan in place ahead of time. So here's what I would suggest is my CFO gave me this advice. She said, Layla, what you want to think about when you're thinking about preserving a business and you're making these plans ahead of time is you want to think about fat, muscle, bone. Okay, so what that means is that when your business drops to a certain amount of revenue, what revenue triggers that you would need to cut some of the fat? You would need to cut fat in terms of activities that you're doing. Maybe it's celebrating, doing crazy like culture things. Maybe it's cutting fat like it's cutting positions because they're really just not needed because you don't have enough demand, right? So at what revenue level will you cut X roles and X activities? The second level is, okay, there's a new level which is maybe you're breaking even, okay? What do you cut there? And I would call this one the muscle. So first one's fat, second one's muscle. So once you get to this level where maybe you're breaking even, What are you going to cut out of the muscle? That means that it's not fun to cut it. It's not something you necessarily want to do, but it's going to make sure that you can preserve the business so it can be around to preserve the rest of the bones, right? And so what activities and maybe key roles are not going to make sense to have when you're at that muscle level. And then the last level below that, which this is typically when a business might be in the red or on the verge of losing money is, okay, now I'm at a new level, which is maybe I'm losing money and we call this the bone which is what are the fundamental things that though they seem like they are necessary for the business, I might not be able to sustain. And if I try to sustain them, I might put the rest of the business under. What are those activities or roles? Listen, guys, I know that's not fun to think about, but you want to think about it now. So you make sound decisions rather than thinking about it when you're in an emotional state, and then you probably make the wrong decision. The second thing that I would recommend doing is giving your team and making the message about what is wartime and what is peacetime. Now, if you want to reference this, Ben Horowitz has a great book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, where he talks about what a peacetime versus a wartime leader is. I would go in that book and I would read that section literally just so you could capture this. And then you can understand what you as a leader need to do in terms of shifting your behavior, as well as what your team needs to do in terms of shifting your behavior. And I would make sure I was very transparent with my team about making those changes, I would do an entire presentation to them explaining what the shift is gonna look like and what we're all gonna do differently. Now, the third thing I would do is I would actually adjust my marketing right? So uh, a friend of mine, Dean Graziosi, many of you may know him for being in the real estate space, and he did infomercials back in the day. So he's told me and Alex the story about how he actually made most of his career during the recession because he was the only one that continued to market during that time. And so when people thought about real estate, they thought about Dean because he continued to market. And what he did was he shifted his marketing message from building this insane empire and achieving your dreams to preserving, making sure that you can at least have something for your family, learning how to generate in times that are hard. And so it's switching from goal-oriented marketing to preservation-based marketing. Because when people are in a state of fear, they're not thinking about these crazy, wild, audacious goals, right? They don't have the capacity. Instead, they're thinking about, dude, I just need to make sure I make rent next month. So you need to speak to the audience and what they're feeling. And that's how you would want to shift your marketing. And then the last thing is I would understand that the best founders act despite how they feel, and they will win despite circumstance. There is always a way for you to win despite what's happening around you. And what you have to understand is you can't blame the recession, you can't blame the economy. Instead, you need to look at it as your strategic advantage. How will I win when everybody else is losing? How can I put myself at an advantage through these times whereas other people fail, they lose, they quit? And so I would look at it as a battle test, right? For yourself to see what do I do to come out the other side better. So with that, I would just say my reminder to you is that my business gym launch came out 10 times stronger than it was prior to COVID. And though it was a really tough two and a half years, the camaraderie, the leadership, the cohesiveness of the team is so much stronger than it was before. I have no worry about that business during a recession. In fact, when I talked to the CEO the other day about it, he was like, recession. He's like, shit, we just went through two and a half years of COVID. What do I care? He's like, we already know what we're going to do. Like, we already know what we could do, and we already have a plan in place. So, an example is like if your revenue is breaking even for For instance, what I know some people did is when they were breaking even, they looked at certain ancillary roles that might not longer be needed. Two examples of that are, one, I saw a business that got rid of pretty much all administrative roles in that company. So anything that was an admin, they were picking up details from other people, and they took those responsibilities and dispersed them to all the leaders and basically decentralized that role, if that makes sense. It was centralized to one person. They decentralized that so that multiple people were helping taking care of those extra responsibilities. The other side that I saw is that there was no room for managers that were not player coaches in a lot of smaller businesses. So a lot of smaller businesses gave a sales team, for example. Say you've got five sales guys and you've got a sales manager. When you're at the muscle level and you're about to start losing money, what I saw a lot of businesses do is they took that sales manager and said, if you want to stay on this team, man, here's the thing. I got to have you selling because we can't afford to keep you if you're not both managing and selling at the same time. And so I saw that across a lot of departments. It's just, we didn't have time for all the formal management procedures. And so people had to buckle down and they had to make sure that they were only player coaches. So a lot of people ask, they're like, Layla, how do I frame wartime with my team? And I think what a lot of leaders do is they try to lessen the fear in their team. They try to make them feel better. Here's what, you're not strengthening your team by protecting them from the truth. In fact, you're basically teaching them that they can't handle the truth. So what I look at, my responsibility is my responsibility is to deliver the truth and be as transparent as possible. So I told my team, I said, listen, guys, I've never gone through this before, but I'm going to try my fucking hardest to make sure that we come out on the other side. I will do everything in my power, right? Can I promise you that we're not going to like have to let people go? I can't fucking promise you that. And so a lot of the times what I see leaders do is they want to reassure their team versus if you reassure your team and then you do have to let people go. How does that make you look in front of your team? And so don't try to promise things that you can't control. Instead, teach them how to deal with the uncertainty. I looked at my team and I said, you can all deal with uncertainty. Nothing is guaranteed in life. There is no certainty. It's all an illusion anyways. So what you all have to understand is that this is just exposing that to us, right? We are being exposed that there's nothing that's hundred percent certain. What I will tell you is we will all try our hardest, but I need all of you to try your hardest I also need you to understand that I can't make any guarantees or promises. But what I can promise you is that we're all going to try our hardest. I can promise you the behaviors that we're going to exemplify. I can't promise the outcomes because I don't know. And so I think that the worst thing that a leader can do in that time is try to lie to their team, say, we're not going to fire anybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. What if you don't have enough money? Most small businesses can't float a team for more than a month or two. So promising your team, saying you're not going to fire people isn't helpful because when the time comes, then they really won't trust you.